Today, we talked to Steph Baron Sanderson. Her love for audio started at a young age, but it wasn't a linear road for her to get to where she is today, leading audio strategy for brands. She knows the hard work that it takes to break into an industry without a network and shares creative and easy ways that marketing students can start to build their knowledge outside of the classroom. Her curiosity and desire to work on interesting and challenging new things has helped her move past even her own expectations for her career, including inspiring her podcast, The Middleist. There's so much to learn from this episode, so please enjoy our conversation with Steph. Welcome to the Ad Undergrad Podcast. I'm Katie Moy, along with my co-host, Julian Lewis. Wait, stop the music. Katie, do you mind calling me Professor Lewis? But Julian, you're an adjunct professor. All right, fair enough. As practitioners of marketing and advertising, Katie and I wanted to give back to you, undergrads, recent grads, and those early in your careers looking to switch industries. In each episode, we'll highlight the career paths of practitioners and provide you with actionable knowledge to apply early in your journeys. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Ad Undergrad Podcast. Today, we have with us Steph Baron Sanderson. Steph and I met through the Ad Week Mentorship Program. So shout out to Ad Week for making that happen. Steph, we'd love to dive into allow for you to give a little bio on yourself and and what you're currently doing. And then we want to get into college, Steph. Tell us a little bit about how you got to the point you are now. Yeah, sure. So I'll start with the introduction. I am Steph. I am originally from Nebraska, raised in Phoenix, now a Brooklyn dweller. And I went to University of Arizona undergrad, NYU Stern for my MBA. I love music. First, I also love puzzles. Second, (laughs) (laughs) but for work, I lead strategy for a boutique creative agency that specializes in audio. That's good enough for a bio. Married to my high school sweetheart. That's awesome. I love that. Let's take it back. Let's go all the way back to the University of Arizona and talk through your studies. According to your LinkedIn, you studied media and Spanish. I'd like to know exactly what that entailed at Arizona when you're in school. And what led you to where you are now at Wordsworth and Booth? Yeah, it's interesting because it actually really connects, even though I took a very nonlinear path. And really, media arts started for me in high school because I took graphic design with a good friend our senior year in high school. And I was lucky enough, my mom let me take a week-long course for media production at the Art Institute of Phoenix just before I went to college. And so just talking with my graphic design teacher in high school, she was like, you should do media arts. Though she led me to believe that would have something to do with graphic design, it did not. But she knew that I wasn't a traditional artist. So I didn't want to study art, like fine arts. So when I got to University of Arizona, it was immediately watching films all the time. I got to the point after a couple of years of school where I didn't like movies. Don't make me watch a movie. Don't make me analyze a movie. I don't care that he's an auteur. I don't care why there's a lamp in that corner. You get so nitty gritty on it. It was just too much. Whereas in my second couple of years, when you really get into your major, I was able to focus on the things I like, which were more about media studies. So what's happening in the media 
industry as it relates to people. So politics and consumer behavior. And I did a little bit of production in school too. And I always really liked the audio part. As I was growing up, I always loved radio and I loved MTV. My mom remembers me not watching cartoons at five, but I was like glued to MTV. I just, I loved music and I loved everything it stood for. But then I also really loved brands and I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have anybody in my life who did anything in marketing or advertising. My parents didn't go to college. And so, you know, you see what you grow up with. And so then I learned about marketing in college and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But obviously I didn't study it. When I was in college, I wanted to do an internship. I worked two part-time jobs, Jamba Juice (laughs) and (laughs) a pool supply company. And because I had to pay for electricity and stuff, but I wanted an internship in media and I saw the local radio station, KFMA the coolest radio station, needed an intern. So I submitted a resume. What is that? You know, it's a Jamba Juice and Shasta Pool Supplies. But I noticed in the post that the contact included his AIM name, his AOL Instant Messenger name. So after a few days, I hadn't heard anything. So I aimed him. I literally sent him an instant message and said, Hey, his name is Tank. Hey, Tank, I applied for this internship and you had mentioned that we could reach out to you. Anyway, he told me later that that is what got me the job because I was the only one who reached out in that way. I'm sure other people called the station. This was 2002, maybe 2003. So it was still early for internet days. <laughs> yeah. We're going to pause real quick because I want to hear, like, we have to break down what AIM is and instant messaging. And I think just to translate, an instant message is the equivalent of a DM and on a social platform or I guess on like WhatsApp. So I just want to make sure people are clear there. But two, what was your screen name? Not handle because it was a screen name then. What was your screen name? Interestingly enough, it was Izmi Steffi, I-Z-M-E-S-T-E-F-F-Y, which is still in use on my Instagram and my Twitter. Wow. Phenomenal. I chose it in seventh grade. I was 12. It was 1994. 1994. I could go into whole thing. I had no idea what to do. And my name is really common. So that's what I chose. And it stuck with me. Nobody calls me Steffi. It does not work. I am not a Steffi, but here we are. (laughs) But yeah, so I slid into his DMs essentially (laughs) to ask for the job. And I got this internship and it meant that I was folding t-shirts and going to events at the mall. And then when my internship was over, you had to be 21 to be an employee because of all the different types of events you have to go to. And so when I turned 21, he literally just quit marketing director and he went somewhere else. So a new marketing director came in and I had to essentially stalk the man to get hired as a promotions assistant, which meant that I was now paid to go to these events and hang banners and full t-shirts. So it was very cool. And then a year and a half later, I graduated, I think on May 15th. And I started as the full-time promotions coordinator on May 17th, 2004. That's awesome. They promoted me. It was a big deal. (laughs) 
but it was really good learning. Yeah. And I, I think the learning for students there is your resume was your resume in quotes <laughs> was in a sea of resumes. And it was really hard to stand out with having non-relevant experience at the pool company at Jamba Juice. Yes, you can try to translate those things into how it's relevant, but you took the extra step to do a little bit of homework to find another way to get in contact with somebody. And that's ultimately how you landed it. So I think that's extremely important takeaway. I think there's another one which some of your students might resonate with too, which is I had no network. My family is amazing. I am loved and supported and all those things, but there was no one they were going to connect me with to get a job in media. That was not a thing. And I think representation is so key. Like what you're seeing when you're growing up as possibilities really shapes in some ways and in some instances what you end up doing. And you can't let that limit you. You have to really be willing to go far outside. Now, granted, at times I've had to hustle a little harder because I don't have generational wealth or presence in an industry, but I think you can do it. You can still hustle. You can still find a way. Nepotism will always be. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Absolutely love it. You have to carve your own path. And now you've set the foundation for those future generations. So you started in radio and now you're focusing in the audio world. And so I'd love to understand why are you in this industry? I would say like radio is definitely a dying breed, but podcasting is not. And audio, there's so much opportunity, but I just love to understand like, why are you in this industry and what keeps you excited about what you're doing? I really love audio. I really do. It's something I think when I was little, probably eight or 10, I would lock myself in the bathroom and record myself being the radio station. I was the music. I was the traffic. I was the weather. I was the DJ. I wish I still had those. So I think I really loved it from an early age, but having no idea that that was something I could do. And my career, it sounds almost like it's been so linear, but after radio, I went and worked for Cox Communications, which is a telecom company in a role where I created sales incentives to help salespeople sell more. And It was a great experience, really helped me move my mind and understanding of marketing and what makes people tick. And then I went and did field marketing at Baskin Robbins for four years before getting back into media. The reason I'm here is because I follow cool things, cool opportunities that come my way. And that's not to say it's like handed to me on a silver platter, but that internship started it all. It's all connected, but I literally, I'm just like, oh, cool. I like what I'm doing. I'm growing new skill sets. The thing that drives me is a challenge. I want an interesting question, an interesting challenge. I don't like to be bored. So I don't want to do the same thing over and over. I can't move widgets or push buttons. Present me with a challenge and let me come up with a creative solution. So I'm still in it because I truly have a love for it. And I'm fortunate enough to where some folks have seen my work and have brought me along with, which is my 18-year-old self would have never known that that was a possibility. 
How has the landscape changed even in the last two years that's made your job more exciting? The last 20 years have been amazing for audio. So (laughs) you're right with podcasts. And Julian, don't think I didn't hear that dig on radio. (laughs) You know what? People thought television was going to kill the radio star. Then it was VHS and then it was DVD and then it was satellite. And here radio is. Standing strong. Still the number one reach medium. So I'm still a big proponent of radio. You know, I live in New York City where I don't drive. So the radio is not in my world every day. Anyway, putting that aside, (laughs) the industry has changed incredibly in the last couple of years. Podcasts aren't the only way. So absolutely podcasts. But from a radio standpoint, attribution is becoming more and more defined, which is huge because everyone wants to know, but how will I know if it works? So having data to back up the medium is huge. Podcasts have been in the Wild West phase for a while. The industry, it's starting to really take shape and mature. And what that means is that there's starting to be more industry standards. So what constitutes a download? So the IAB has guidelines on what constitutes a download now. But you'll see the language changes daily. Half the time you hear people talk downloads, half the time you'll hear listens. And when you ask what they mean, their definitions aren't always the same. But that was true maybe a year ago. It's becoming more and more stable in terms of what we're talking about. So I would say from a data standpoint, audio is really coming along because there's attribution in podcasts as well. But you also have the sleeper that we haven't mentioned, which is voice. Voice technology is massive and it's in our hands. It's in our homes. It's literally everywhere. And I think from a brand standpoint and how advertisers will use it, it's still to be seen. It's still nascent in in form, but it's developing daily. Really, the last two years have been really massive. And for me, it's all about just keeping up with the knowledge as I lead strategy. What that means is I really have to know the audio landscape. And that doesn't just mean I have to listen to the radio here and then or turn on podcasts It means I have to keep up with the technology. I have to keep up with the players who's in the industry, radio, pure play streaming, satellite, Alexa, Google Home, TikTok. And TikTok is a very big audio channel that brands can be using very interestingly. I think ELF did a good job. For a student, how do they keep their finger on the pulse of everything you just mentioned? And also like specifically the things that are more emerging, whereby they are almost at the starting line just as you might be or I might be or Katie might be. How do they keep their finger on the pulse of it and allow for them to set themselves up for success when they're coming out looking for their first job? Number one, start tinkering with audio. I'm assuming most of your students, most students have a cell phone and you can easily record audio. So if you have an iPhone, you have GarageBand in there too, so you can start manipulating audio. I would say that because that's a good start and start storytelling, start honing your ability to ask people questions and really look at what the elements of a good story are. And if you can do that over audio, over your phone, you're in a really good place. You could literally start 
a podcast in your room with your cell phone by yourself one night randomly. I mean, never before has it been easier to learn about literally anything. Start doing some Google searches. If you're into programming and tech, voice is on the precipice. It's so close to really getting somewhere new and exciting from a brand perspective that I would definitely start there. Now, when it comes to how a brand uses audio and how a brand reflects itself through audio, that's going to take you a little longer to get to, but it's not impossible either. Just listen to every brand sound you hear. Listen to the radio. How are advertisers communicating their messages? And then switch over to Pandora. What's different about the way advertisers are telling their messages? So context is hugely important. I would never recommend, assuming an advertiser can budget for it, I would never recommend you to use the same spot on radio as you would on Pandora. It's a very different listening experience. And I don't need to even explain to you how they're different because you can literally go and check it out. And that's what's so cool. And as you start to notice those differences, catalog it. And then you'll start seeing patterns. And I think when you do that, you can also call up a brand you really like, see what happens when you're on hold. Does the hold music reflect what's happening in their website? Does it reflect? And what I mean by reflect, I mean, is the personality there, right? So Nike, I mean, is so visual and such a defined brand. What does their hold music sound like? Does it match the feeling of the rest of their branding? And for Nike, it may be yes. For many brands, the answer is absolutely not. It's the same music you hear everywhere else. <laughs> and I'm not saying that hold music is make or break for anybody, but when you think about all of the places a brand touches somebody with audio, just start noticing, is it reflective of the brand? I absolutely love that. And just the way in which you talk about cataloging what you hear on radio versus what you hear on Pandora and that hold music, it resonates so well. And I feel like I'm learning just as much because I can be an exercise that I give my students during the school year. But I used to call, no joke, Expedia, because when you would call, it would say, thank you for calling Expedia.com. Yes. But I don't think they have that anymore, but that was phenomenal. And I was just like, man, I love this. I kid you not, on a day that I was just like, today sucks, I would call Expedia just so I could hear that. And so I think that really resonates. And I think the cataloging and doing the work to really start to understand, because then when you get to a point where you're at a brand, even though if you don't necessarily fully understand like what they're doing, you have an understanding of how you felt in those different moments. And then you can think about how the brand that you're working at or for can bring out that same emotion. So thank you for that. That was great. Amazing. I actually just wrote a piece for hopefully Ad Week. Okay. It's being edited literally about this topic because I think a lot of people think of local advertising often gets a lot of shade thrown its way. But most of your childhood memories of commercials are local and they stick with you. 
Yeah. Those brands can last for 20 years. <laughs> when I'm just like the power of audio, because you may be able to pull up an image of a commercial in your mind, but you can't necessarily share it as well as you can the jingle, right? With somebody. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you remember Sardella's pizza and wings? Yes, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Expedia is a great example. Like that's very modern and global that did a great job with it. I don't know if they're around either, but it's a really good example. I was going to bring up the Taco Bell bong, the bell bong. It's a good one. If you were graduating today and looking for an internship in the audio space, where would you start to look? I'm going to go out on a limb and shout out to all my local radio stations. It is an old school medium, but everyone there has the hustle. And I think that's really invaluable. So radio, absolutely. And the bigger radio organizations are doing podcasting. Separately from that, I would look at tech. I would absolutely try and find an organization doing voice right now because it's in such an exciting time. It's slow. It's moving slower than I really hoped for and expected. But I think the next five years, we're going to see a lot of movement there. When you're talking about people who can just pull out their phone and start recording and start to storytell and do those things, I think one of the most daunting things ever is either a blank piece of paper or a cursor that's like blinking on the screen in front of a blank page. But when you just turn on your phone and it's just you by yourself, just start talking and you don't have to do anything with it just as you wouldn't with your writing or whatever. Like you don't have to post, people don't have to like it or share it and all that stuff. Just start talking. And I think it's such a good way for you to get comfortable with your voice. And that's going to translate well beyond doing anything in the voice industry in terms of your presence in an interview or meetings or things like that. And so that's a point that I want to make sure that we definitely resurface because I definitely think it's going to help tremendously if you want to get into this industry, but then also just for building self-confidence and that you want to have a voice and two, that you should use it. Yeah. And I'm going to sound like such an old person, but we're in this moment where everything you do has to go viral or get a million likes or downloads or whatever it is. It's influencer. We're all going to be influencers and make millions and trillions of dollars. And I would caution anyone to go into audio for that. I mean, call up somebody who's podcasting locally and ask them if you can work for free. Can I just help you produce? Can I set up interviews? Can I watch you record? I agree with you, Julian, in what you're saying to do. I just think what goes in to creation of all of this content is so much. And then when you bring brands into it, it's that much more. Because first, the strategy that goes into a good show, whether that's a podcast, a radio show, or even a good skill, there's a lot of work that goes into there. Now bringing brands into it, you're essentially saying, I am stopping the person's content. And I am going to tell them something. How do I do that and not be just like annoying? Not just that, but then have them take action based on me stopping their content. There's so much work that goes into it that I think try and put yourself in as many places as possible so you don't miss out on the nuance. So you have your podcast, The Middleist, which is focused on people who are mid-stage in their careers. 
Tell us what themes you're hearing that maybe would apply to students who are entering their career and don't have that 15 years of experience yet. Yeah, I think the thing that resonates most, and you guys prepped me for this, and I didn't even have to think. Number one, everyone's still figuring it out. Whether they're 15 years in and my age, which is almost 40, or they're 45, 50, I'm getting people commenting to me personally that it's not an age thing. It's not an experience thing. It's just that nobody talks about how they're still figuring it out. I think everybody portrays this image as I've got it together and I made all of my decisions and I am moving up in the world and I'm here because I set a vision for myself and I went for it. And I think some of that's true. Some people do that very well and they set their path and they take it. The majority of people absolutely do not, are still trying to figure out what in the world they're doing, cannot believe they're adults, cannot believe they're trusted with millions of dollars in revenue or budget. And so I think that is the biggest theme and sort of sense of relief I've taken from everything because I've always thought it was just me. And if I had known that at 18 and 22 and 25, I think I would have felt calmer. I wouldn't have felt like I needed to figure it out. Because the fact is, I'm going to get real hippy-dippy. Life is a journey. Every part of life is just another part of the journey. And your career is the same. So when we say, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life, or asking an 18-year-old to set their dreams for the next 40 years of how they want to make a living, it's almost disrespectful to the process that you're undertaking. because. I would have never expected to be where I am. I am a high achiever. I am perfectionist, super type A, and I want to be the best. And I have far exceeded what I could have ever seen myself doing. I know I'm veering far from your question, but it all goes back to the same thing, which is people don't have it figured out. And that's okay. It's so important. And I had the opportunity to be on the podcast, but it's so important for students to hear that message because if you can know exactly to what you said, if you can know in college that you're not going to have it all figured out, or you might not have it all figured out by the time you're, I'm 36, by the time you're 36, it takes off so much pressure. How do you, other than listening to somebody like you who's like very far along in your career, who says that, how do you get comfortable? with not being able to figure it out that early? And like, how do you make sure you're continuing to move forward as you're figuring it out? Oh, good question. So to answer the first part, therapy. You shared so much about your therapy journey and I am right there with you. I wish I had started therapy 20 years ago, probably earlier, truthfully, because it's just a good time for self-reflection. It's a really good time to consider everything that's happening. So that will help you a little bit. And then trying things. You can't just sit there and wait for the phone to ring, right? (laughs) That's just not a thing anymore. Phones don't ring actually anymore. Not that they ever did, but 
you can't sit there and expect something to be handed to you. You really have to show curiosity, show up and try. You have to put yourself out there and be willing. And I say that understanding that I am an extrovert. And so for introverts, I think that they're like, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) But understand, I have social anxiety too. So it's not particularly easy for me just to walk up or call somebody and be like, hey, I want to know more about you. I want to know more about your journey. But literally just putting yourself out there, whether that is on LinkedIn and sending a message and saying, hey, I'm in college. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I'm really inspired by what you're doing. It looks like something I'd be interested, but I literally don't know. Doing that, applying to internships, showing up, volunteering for things. There are so many ways to introduce yourself to new industries and new potential without knowing people because we have such a connected world now. We all technically know people. That's really helpful. But I think you really just have to try. If you're interested in it, try. The thing is, don't just quit. You don't like it, you can't just quit. This is something I had one intern who told me that she walked out on her last internship and she was like, it was terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you can't do that. You have to be somebody who can be trusted and you live by your word. And so I think see things through, see projects through all of that. So I'm not just saying like flit around with no purpose. No, because everything you do, you get something out of. It might be learning that this is something I don't want to do. I sold radio for a year. You guys, it is hard. I don't want to do it. It is not in me, but I did it. I didn't just run away even though I wanted to. So I think it's put yourself out there. That's great. I probably overly use the phrase treasure trove, but that was a treasure trove of information that is going to be extremely valuable to students, people who are already working. And even if we are lucky enough to get a couple of middleists that are listening to the podcast as well, like just as a throwback to taking it back. So Steph, thank you so much. This has been extremely valuable. Thank you. That's phenomenal. Thank you again for your ears. We want to incorporate your questions on the podcast please email us at hello at adundergrad.com. And don't forget to follow us on all platforms at The Ad Undergrad. Tune in next time as we capture more paths of industry practitioners.